Warning, the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of Clan Imperial Guard, Radio Link Net, or their sponsors. This show is intended for a mature audience only. Parental discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! You're listening to the Emperor of Clan Imperial Guard in the Emperor's Court, powered by the Clan Imperial Guard Online Gaming Radio Network. Yeah, baby, that's the way I like it. All this energy calling me, back where it comes from. It's such a crude attitude, it's back where it belongs. All right. Damn microphone. That's the second time in a row. Second week in a row this thing's cut out. All right, folks. This is the Emperor of Clan Imperial Guard coming live from Cleveland, Ohio tonight on this Oscar Sunday evening. Uh, this is the Emperor's Court for those of you tuning in for the first time. Those of you tuning in every time, you know exactly what to expect. For you newbies, hope you enjoy the show. There's a lot coming up. We have a lot to discuss. Not a whole lot of time, so let's get down to it. If you want to get in the conversation, join us in irc.solidirc.com. We are at channel 1G. If you want to get on the conversation through AWOL's instant messenger, you may do so. And bust me off a uh, aim at EMP, the number 1 and the letter G. EMP 1G. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's what we got on tap for this evening. I hope you like the intro song going into the show. Uh, a lot of you actually that are uh, talking here in IRC seem to like it. That is from the Futuristic Sex Robots, uh, a band that is coming into its own. Uh, they just released their first album, uh, I believe, earlier this week. If you're interested, you can check it out at their website at the futuristicsexrobots.com. That's robots with the Z. You'll be hearing more of their music uh, played through the rest of the show tonight and uh, sporadically uh, through future shows. I happen to like their music. I happen to think it's kind of cool. It's a blend of like metal and rap, and it's pretty much all about gaming. So you'll be hearing a lot of them. Definitely check them out. That's futuristicsexrobots.com. That's robots. With a Z, you can download their album for free. So at least the first album is for free, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't know if they reach humongous, humongous success, I wouldn't expect that to remain. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, check them out. Also, quick thank to uh, the HarborBlueGroup.com as well as the RadioLinkNet.com uh, crew for sponsoring the show. Let's be honest, it wasn't for them paying the bills. We wouldn't be here doing this. That being said, folks, I can tell you, I have recently seen a layout of the website, the finalized website, and it looks nice. Hopefully, we'll be able to launch that in its entirety this month. Now, before you ask, I know a lot of people have been asking about the phone lines and why it is we haven't come out with them. We do have them. We have them in place, and they do work. We've tested them. Here's the thing. We have decided that we're not going to go ahead and bring out the phone lines as of yet until we have the full site running, until we got all the other shows we want lined up and our broadcasting. 
Once we have all our ducks in the row, then we're going to go ahead and go the extra mile, get the phone lines running, and make this a full-blown dog show. So for the moment, the only way to communicate with me is through IRC and through AOL's Instant Messenger programming note. My apologies for those of you who tuned in, or were going to tune in around 7 o'clock today, to listen to uh, Wark Radio about anime. Uh, Warky is out sick. He sounds like a friggin' horse. Trust me. So that will not air this evening. Obviously it did not since it was 7. So if you're looking for the archive, it's not there. That is why. So expect Warky to be back in his normal uh, time slot next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard for all your talk about anime. Japanimation. Anyways. Also, we're going to note, A State of Warcraft, Episode 6, is out on the website at 1GReborn.com. Check it out. Uh, I believe Idiotech has working on A uh, uh, State of Warcraft, Episode 7, and he has told me that he maybe start uh, including uh, actual maps in the packet, in the uh, the zip packet. So that'd be kind of cool. So not only you get the, uh, I talk about the, all the latest in the Warcraft 3 scene, shotcast matches, but now you actually get some maps. Pretty friggin' sweet, I'd say. All right, that getting done and out of the way, let's get down to business. What do we have on topic for tonight? Simple. Star Wars Empire at War. I've been playing this a great deal, well, attempting to, anyways, over the last week and a half. Now, remember, I did not broadcast last Sunday, my apologies, but if you knew the kind of work week I'd had going into this week, you'd have understand. Anyway, so uh, we actually had a clan match a couple nights ago, so I'm going to go into that a little bit. Uh, some strategy talk, uh, what happened during the game. Uh, apparently, there's a tournament that's uh, firing up for uh, the Empire at War scene. I have a little bit of a cautious part to, to this, and what the hell? Okay. Uh, a little cautious on how that's going to work, but at least it shows that the community is at least vibrant enough to try and get some kind of uh, of community action going. Uh, the problem is the ladder system they have right now. Well, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. We shall get to that in a little while. Also on topic for discussion tonight, it looks like uh, Will, uh, Blizzard has released the 1.10 Patch notes are out now for the World of Warcraft, and they claim that they have shifted over a great deal of their servers to new hardware and going to continue to go ahead and uh, uh, add more hardware and new servers and what have you. I remember a couple weeks ago we read the report that they had bought 1,500 new servers, and uh, the discussion at the time was whether this was for the Burning Crusade or whether or not this was going to be to bolster their uh, failing backbone that they had for the uh, current servers. I think... At least for the moment, they say that a couple of the servers have been upgraded with this new hardware. We'll get to that a little later on, as well as confirmation that the Burning Crusade will have a beta test. Speaking of beta, at the end of the show, we'll have the third installment of our contest song for a uh, beta key for the uh, Guild Wars PvP beta on March the 24th. This is invitational beta only, and it's being provided to us by Jahala the Prophet. Thank you, Jahala, for giving us three keys. I will announce the winner of the second key, since I didn't have the chance to do that last week, uh, at the end of the show, as well as the new song for this up-and-coming one. Remember, in order to win the contest, you must name the game that the song goes to. Email it to me at emperor1g at cox.net, cox.net, by next Saturday at noon. I will pick one winner randomly from all the winners. Supposing there's more than one. And that person will get the beta key for the uh, Guild Wars March 24th PvP beta that is supposed to be coming out. So, there is that. And finally, what I want to talk about is classic console games. More importantly, what game got you into gaming? What started you upon your path of nerdom? Everybody's got their game. Everybody's got their story. You're going to hear mine tonight, uh, as, and hopefully I'm going to hear a couple of yours. And we'll continue that discussion uh, on for next week, too, because console games, and, and classic console games specifically... There's just so much to go over. There's just no way you can do all of it uh, in one show, especially in, just in one segment. So, 
We will get to that too a little later on. Alrighty, now that you got the topics of discussion, let's kick it off. Empire at War. Now, the last couple weeks you've heard me talk about the, this game. It's recently come out by its uh, uh, a joint effort between LucasArts and Petroglyph. The problem is, and remains to be, and it was actually pretty bad today, is the server connectability of the game. Now, that aside, we're not going to discuss that anymore because you already know that the game has issues, you know what I feel about it, and you know that I'm recommending to all my listeners not to buy the game yet until they patched it some more to fix it. That being said, earlier today, the servers were so bad that games could not start. They could not start. Anytime somebody tried to start a game, the game would crash. Now, I don't know if that's the game, or I'm assuming it's the game spy servers, but everybody is bitching about this. Some of this stuff has to be fixed and fixed soon. All right, now, let's get down to the actual gameplay. I've been playing a lot of the space battles. The reason why is because land, just as I said before, is extremely imbalanced. If you're playing the Rebellion uh, in Star Wars Empire at War, all you need to do is build a shitload of artillery, and then you can just pound away at your opponents. They can't do anything. Uh, conversely, they're, uh, the speeders, the uh, um, tow cables they use against the AT-AT walkers are pretty much useless. It just seems to me that there are certain... Uh, there are certain items or certain machines that should be underpowered or nerfed, uh, and they aren't. But the Rebellion has a severe advantage right now in land battles, the way the game is designed, and the damage uh, tables, the way they're set up now. And not only that, but it is so boring! You have to slug your way through a game, and uh, it's ridiculous because you have a set amount of buildings. And unlike other RTSs, you don't actually get to place your buildings anywhere on the map where you like them. You don't actually build your own infrastructure. It's already there, and you've got to, quote-unquote, capture it. The problem is, all the maps, all four or five maps that they've got out there, are all just a series of choke points. It's like one giant rat race. There's no open field combat. You have to, you know, go around a bend, and then you go through a straightaway, and then go around another bend, and, you know, there's choke points all the way through that you can buy uh, defensive batteries. It, it, it's no fun. It's like running a gauntlet every time you want to have a fight. What happens to the great open field battles? I mean, maneuverability has nothing in this game. It's all who can get the the uh, uh, bomber upgrade for their group first, who can drop a, a, a bunch of TIE bombers on or Y-wings on your opponent and bomb the hell out of their uh, troops. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. So by and large, I've only been really playing space battles. Now, here's the thing. The space is actually pretty well balanced. There's not a whole lot... There's not a whole lot that needs to be tweaked. There's a few things, I think, that need to be fixed. But by and large, between the Rebel and the Empire, it's pretty well balanced. Now, if you're Rebellion, you've got the early and mid-game advantage. Simple. The Corvettes that they have, the Corellian Corvettes the, that, the, or, sorry, that the Rebellion have, uh, their special grade, or special ability is uh, like a engine boost. They can go twice as fast. The X-Wings, they start off with locking your S-Foils. They can go twice as fast. So right at the start of the game, you can pretty much get any of your Tier 1 ships anywhere in the map, far ahead of what the Imperials can do. All right? That and the Nebulon B Frigate, which is your Tier 2 uh, ship. You launch Nebulon B Frigate, it's got the, the shield ability, which doubles their uh, their power of the shields. It does slack on slacken off on your uh, ability to fire. But by bolstering your, bolstering your shields by twice the normal strength, uh, they're pretty impervious, except to, like, uh, TIE Bombers and what have you that launch torpedoes. That's about it. Excuse me, I had a sneeze there, I had to hit my dump button. So through the middle of the game, up until that point, in Tier 3, you really don't see a big upgrade for either one of them. The Imperials get the Interdictor Cruiser, which is, by and large, pretty much useless. Uh, 
And up until recently, I thought, because the uh, uh, Rebellion gets the Carillion gunboat, but as Desperado showed last evening, uh, if you mass gunboats, they're pretty decent. Uh, they got the, the upgrade for the uh, speed. They got the speed boost. Um, they've got, obviously, you know, lasers, and they've also got concussion missiles. So they're good against mid-level ships. They're good against fighters, that kind of thing. The part where the Imperials really shine is in the Tier 4 and Tier 5, uh, once you get to that far, if your game goes that far. So if you're playing one-on-one, you're going to have a hard time winning as the Empire versus the Rebellion, all things being equal. That being said, there's one exception. I'll get to the Tier 4 and 5 in a second. There's one exception that I like that the Imperials have. Excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold. There's one thing the Imperials have that I like that the Rebels don't, and has Boba Fett as a hero. What Boba Fett has is he's very easy to kill. He has very low shields. Uh, he's very easy to beat on when he comes in. He doesn't fly particularly fast. What he does have is he has what's called a seismic charge. It's like a depth charger. And as you're flying your enemy fighters or an enemy ship, you launch this thing once every 30 seconds. When it explodes, it kills all enemy fighters in a certain target area. So if you're getting swamped by X-Wings and A-Wings and Y-Wings, you put that sucker in the middle of it, you drop a depth charge and blow the shit out of them. There's nothing, I mean, it wipes out all their fighters like that. Now you have fighter superiority. That's the only early range, early to mid game uh, advantage that the Empire that the Imperials have. Uh, they, don't tell me about Han Solo, Chewbacca. They suck. Don't tell me about that that Wedge and Tilly, not Wedge and Tilly. It's just whatever that asshole is with the Corellian Corvette hero. Eh, that's garbage. Boba Fett makes it up for a lot of that uh, fighter superiority that the, that the Rebels have in early to mid game. I'm talking skirmish mode. All right. That being said, Tier Four, Tier Five. This is where the Imperials shine. When you get to Tier 4, you start getting the Victory Star Destroyers. Now, I don't know if anybody here follows Star Wars. I'm, I'm guessing the majority of us have at least seen the movies. Think of it as a mini Imperial Star Destroyer. Rather small. About half the size. Half the firepower. Has a few fighters, etc. Decent amount of shields. Has a very crummy special ability, as most of the Imperials do. But it's a decent Tier 4 ship. It's better than the Assault Forget the Alliance get. And you get the added bonus of having fighters and bombers that come with it that automatically deploy. You also have a torpedo launcher that the Rebellion doesn't have on their assault frigate. When you get to Tier 5, you get the ass kickers. You get the Imperial Star Destroyers. Pound for pound, they're not as good as the Monte Calamari Cruiser. They're not, because that's what the Rebels get at Tier 5. However, you do get its full complement of fighters and bombers, and that's where you make up the difference. Now, the tractor beam uh, specialty is a joke. Nobody uses it. It doesn't do anything. It's a waste of space. But the fighters and the bombers, no, that's a different story. I mean, you could pretty much decimate anything smaller than a Montecalamari Cruiser in relatively short order. And if you're smart and you aim for the hard points, and that's like uh, you could aim for specifically a turbo laser battery or their shield generator or their hangar bay so they can't launch fighters. You can add for that stuff. You can target that specifically. That's something that... Uh, that is kind of cool, and if you've got, if if you're smart enough to know how to do that, and this is a cool strategy for those of you who play the game and listen closely, what you do is you don't destroy a ship outright. Let's say I launch a Mon, uh, sorry, a uh, star destroyer, and I hit a Mon Calamari. All right, I start, I take it out of shields, and I'm pounding the hell out of it. Smart man does this: you disable all of its guns, maybe its engines, and then you leave it. You just leave it as a as a floating hulk. Here's why. Rather than destroying it and padding your stats, which means absolutely nothing in this game, there's no point system, it just tells you what ships you lost. Big friggin' deal. It only only matters if you win. What it does is, for one, it's now a useless ship to them, they can't do anything with it. 
because you can't ram anything. It just floats there. The second thing is you have a very, very low population cap as to how many warships you can make. The bigger the ship, the more population points it takes. If you don't kill that bastard, it just sits there sucking up population points and does nothing. The problem is the computer will automatically aim some of your lesser lasers on occasion if you're not careful, so you may end up inadvertently destroying what you think is something dead in the water. Whenever possible, cripple the thing and just fly away. Here's a cool second strategy. Pay attention. If you've got a lot of bombers, and this is especially good versus the uh, versus the re Rebellion, you fly in your TIE bombers. Aim for the engines of one of the capital ships. Nebulon, uh, Montecalari, Assault Frigate, doesn't matter. You blow up the engines and then fly away. It could have all the guns in the world and it doesn't matter a fart in the wind because they can't go anywhere. Once it's crippled, especially on the other side of the map where it's not going to do them any good, it will take literally the entire game to get from one end of the uh, uh, map to the other. Cripple the sucker. You just leave it there. Leave it there. He can't do anything with it. It's on its population cap. It can shoot, but if you don't go near it and it's not guarding anything in particularly important, it's useless. So very two very key strategies that you might want to uh, hone in on. Both of those work effectively, you know, very well. You just have to, you have to micromanage your fighters and your bombers a little more. And unfortunately, that's one thing that kind of gets lost in the wash when it comes to um, when it comes to Empire at War. People don't seem to realize there is actually a great deal of micro that's built in. Maybe not as fast-paced as you see in Warcraft 3, especially with the lag issues that GameSpy has. But if you're smart enough to move a ship out of the way that's getting you know shot up or its shields are down, if you're smart enough to maneuver your fighters and your bombers in to launch torpedoes, you know hit a particular hard point, destroy uh, you know their engines or no, you cannot repair. A sentence asking the channel, can you repair your ships? No, you can't. Once the ship is damaged, at least in skirmish mode online, once the ship is damaged, it's damaged. You can't do anything with it. It's stuck. So that's why I said cripple the bastard, leave it there. It's a floating uh, gun battery. That's all it is. It doesn't do anything. Endeavor is asking if uh, EAW, if Empire Warps multiplayer is like Rome Total War or Warcraft 3. It's like Rome Total War. It's set up pretty much the same way with a few additions. Uh, there's no there's no fortress breakdown. You're just attacking the enemy's base, which is a space station, is what it takes the uh, form of. But it's it, the space is pretty much open. It's not like the land battles where you're stuck walking along a, a specific path. You can pretty much fight anywhere in space. The only bitch about the maps are they're way too small. They're way too small. And I can understand what the logic behind it is. Your ships don't move particularly fast. So games can drag on, especially if your ships are crippled. Alright? I understand... Shut up, and Andre's trying to sell me on the Middle Earth online. I'm not getting friggin' suckered in once more by that Middle Earth bullshit. I bought into that once before. I'm not gonna buy into it again. Yeah, it looks nice. Okay. I know a lot of stuff that looks nice. Tiroth is plugging Galactic Civilization too. He says it's pretty good. I'm a turn-based uh, war game sucker. That's how I got into gaming. We'll get to that a little later on. But I'm not going to be suckered into that Middle-Earth bullet. You know what? Maybe we'll, we'll talk about Middle-Earth next week. How about that? I will download the demo. I will bite the bullet and play that abortion of a game. I don't care if it does play great. I will I will give you a fair and balanced opinion of Middle-Earth 2 next Sunday. All right? Now, okay. Back to it. I understand where they want the maps to be smaller because they want a quick and dirty match. They want the game over as fast as possible. They want 
conflict right from the start. There's no creeping, there's no building up troops, and then rushing your opponent. Wild looks nice too. You're pushing your Luxon row. You really are. Play the demo. So I say that, Andre. I will not change my mind. You know, I played the demo for uh, Rome Total War, and it played like a dream. I played the demo for uh, Empire at War, and it played like a dream. Guess what? I got raped in both accounts. I said, thank you, Daddy. May have another. Uh, it's not going to happen to me. I bought Civilization, or uh, Middle-Earth 1. No, thank you. Yeah, you can await it all you like, Andre. Here's another cool strategy. If you're playing Empire at War, for those of you who are listening, what you do, and and uh, Desperado and I are, are pretty good about this. So is Mechahawk, for that matter. You build it when you're building your warships, especially in like your tier two, tier three mode. You build one or two cruisers or one or two Nebulon frigates, but only launch the ones you absolutely need. In other words, hold on to a ship in reserve. And remember, it doesn't count against your population count until it's launched. Once you deploy your ship, then you got to pay for it as far as your population goes, all right? You keep that sucker in reserve just in case they drop a starship in on your on your base. Just in case they start pounding one of your asteroid mines. Then you deploy your reserve fleet. Especially when you get to Tier 4 or Tier 5. If the enemy doesn't know that you're upgrading or doesn't think you are, and what's a good thing to do is send a scout at their base every now and again to make sure you remind yourself where they are in their upgrade to see where they are in the tech. Keep your ships in your reserve. Wait till you have enough overwhelming firepower that you can put in one specific place. Put a ship there, or if you're playing the Empire, get a TIE Scout, ping the area, and what you'll do is you'll expose it to your team so you can see what's there, and then you launch your ships. This is great, especially if you want to cherry-pick somebody's base. You hide a fighter near in an asteroid or near a nebula, or you put it near their base where they can't see it, where they're not going to find it, and then at the critical moment, move it over to where you can actually see their base, you get some some area, some some space on both sides of your fighter, and then you start filling up space with your, with your warships. Attack the base, and you're good to go. It's cheap, it's gay, it's cherry-picking, but it works. And here's how. We played this past week in a very impromptu match, and for those of you who saw the uh, website at onesyourborn.com, you probably got to read the write-up, and you actually got to see the announcement that we had played this. Now, we got challenged. It was me, Desperado, and Mechahawk. We were sitting in channel, and some guy from the Imperial Defense Force, the clan IDF, decided to ask me uh, if we wanted to have a clan battle. I said, oh, all right, 2 on 2 or 3 on 3. We decided a 3 on 3. Okay, so we could do that. We set it up. We played our first match, and it was we were Imperials, they were Alliance. And they tried pulling the same thing on us. What they did was, uh, it was pretty much a slug match for the first 15-20 minutes of the match. Neither one of us got the upper hand. We actually control, I think, one or two more asteroid mines. So we did have the advantage as far as money goes. All right, halfway through, they launched, they put a fighter near our base. And they start launching fighters, or start launching their warships. We were at, I think, the Tier 4, so they had assault frigates. Now, luckily, Mechahawk and Desperado had kept enough ships in their reserve that they could put out a couple Victor Star Destroyers, to put out a couple Acclimator Cruisers. We used our hypervelocity gun, which is like a giant railgun, 
that sits on the planet in the map and just rips through it, bypasses shields, and just guts whatever it hits and destroys everything. Shield generator, your your laser batteries, everything. So they took our shields down, our, our star base's shields, because their super weapon is an ion cannon. Ion cannons wipe out shields and they disable the target for a few seconds. So they wiped the shields out of our uh, star base. They got us down to about three quarters of, of our base health, which is getting pretty bad. The battle is getting pretty desperate. We had hit tier five along the way. They hadn't yet. I had not been launching any ships, and I had been holding on to I had two Victor Star Destroyers in reserve. I build uh, what the hero is for the super, it was an Imperial Star Destroyer hero. It's Captain Pyatt. It's a supercharged Imperial Star Destroyer. It's an ass kicker. And I had sent one of my TIE fighters to the opposite end where their base was, and I had it hiding in, uh, there's a ring of nebulas and asteroids, and I had it hiding in among the asteroids so they couldn't see it. So I pop the sucker out of the asteroids, and I start, because uh, there's fog of war, so you can't see it until you're actually there. So I had my fighter out there, and I had enough space on both sides of him that I launched both of my Victor Star Destroyers and my Captain Pyatt. And I launched it right in front of their base. They've got no defenses except what's on the uh, uh, the Starbase. No ships, no fighters, no reserves, no nothing. So I hit their shield generator with my uh, railgun, my super railgun. Knock it out. Now the cool thing that Captain Pyatt has on its Star Destroyers, it's a proton beam. That's what it's called. Basically it sucks all the energy out of your weapons and puts it into one massive force beam. You smack the sucker with it and it does a shitload of damage. So I, since the... Uh, shield Generator was dead. They had no shields. And it, I used this proton beam, and it just ripped through their base. By this time now, Mechahawk and Desperado, they've also had both of their pilots to finish building. So they launched theirs on top of mine. So now we have three Star Destroyer heroes smacking away at their star base. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, checking in, I mean, it was fast and furious. The fight over our base was nasty. And they had us at about half health now. It was starting to get desperate. Uh, luckily... They had made some mistakes. They probably got distracted trying to defend their base. And uh, they started losing their ships one by one by one. Desperado and Mechahawk continued to hit their starships with this railgun as they rebuilt it. You know, the Victory Star Destroyers are extremely powerful, especially with their fighter complements. So by the end of the match, they had no ships left. We had sent out a couple fighters to each side of the, each side of the map, and we destroyed their mines. So they had no income coming in. We destroyed their fleet that was at our base, and then we just ripped through their starbase. It, it was, the game was over. It was like a 30-minute game, 35-minute game. And that was it. It just crushed them. It was a very good slug match, very well dragged out, very well played on both sides. Here's the thing. You always got to protect your base. You always got to have some sort of defense. You can never pull everything away from it, because it'll come back to bite you in the ass. And it did so in game two, because we played it was the best of three series. Second game, we decided to be the Rebellion. They were the Empire. About 10 minutes, and I said this, and I, we're on Ventrilo, and I said to, to both of them before the game started, I'm thinking what we use, we use the Chewbacca and Han Solo, because you get the Millennium Falcon, and its special ability is it can be invulnerable for 10 seconds. I said, I say we fly that bitch into their base, we pop the invulnerability shield, and then we warp in all our entire fleet, our Tier 3 or Tier 4 fleet, and just knock down their shields, win the game. So they're like, oh, okay, we'll try it. So meanwhile, we're fighting over, there's, I think it's the defense of Alderaan's the map. And you have six asteroid mines you can get. Three in each, in the opposite ends of the corner. All right. 
we're fighting over them, and they just keep pouring more and more ships into this battle to try and win these mines. I guess it never occurred to them that after they would destroy one of our ships, we wouldn't replace with any kind of reinforcements. We would just let it sit there and die. So after a while, they eventually did get control of both mines, or both sets of mines. By this time, I had a Chewbacca, and I flew it down near their base, and we had gotten to Tier 4. We upgraded, we teched right away. So we're at Tier 4, we're pumping out assault frigates, and we just launch our entire fleet, all three fleets, and we put them in right next to their base. Well, they do have some reinforcements, and they start bringing in these, these light cruisers that the Empire has. The problem is, they were bringing them out against two of my corvettes that come down the left side of the map. We were attacking them from the right side of the map. So they launched the reinforcements against the wrong fleet. And there's only two ships there. So the game was over in under 16 minutes. It was just a complete cherry-picked job. Just wiped them clean. Of course, it helped. We had the ion cannons, so we were able to take down their shields right away. So it was I mean, almost instant. They started getting, uh, getting flamed. It was terrible. Kind of felt bad about it afterwards, because we played such a good first match. You know, we played conventionally. We try and beat their fleet. They try and beat ours. You know, we're fighting for map control. We finally got map control. Then, you know, then they had it. We let them have it. Next thing you know, you know. So they kind of feel bad about it. But hey, a win's a win. And if, you know, in the end, scoreboard's the only thing that matters. So it was a good game. Imperial Defense Force, not bad. Now, there is a, a group called Team, what is it? Team Alliance Gamers or something like that. Tag is the name of their clan. And they're trying to host a tournament. If you're interested, they're trying to hold a, uh, it's a uh, uh, Empire War tournament. Hang on, let me find it. Da, 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 da. I said I would plug this thing because it's the only tournament going right now. So far, the only ladder that's available, and actually is a ladder, so I guess it is a step up from Rome Total War, is it's a one-on-one -on -one that's offered for land and one-on-one -on -one offered for space. And it's a, it's a random matchup, and that's all it is. The thing of it is, if you get disconnected, you lose. If your opponent disconnects in the game, you get a loss. So, right now there's a lot of accusations going around that because the coding of the game is so poor, you can make a disconnect hack very easily, and that uh, a couple of people in the top 40 are, you know, using a disconnect hack. So, just so you know. All right, all right, here it is. Team Allied Guardians. That's it. Tag Team Allied Guardians uh, are hosting a tournament. If you're interested, you can check it out. Empire was it? Uh, da -da 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 -da. EmpireAtWar.net. It is a two-on-two -two tournament. It is one land and one space battle. It's a best-of-two match. If a tiebreaker is needed, the team who won the last battle will choose whether it is space or land. Uh, it's random picking as to whether your team is Empire or Rebellion. Uh, there's a couple other rules that go in here if you want to read about it. It's, it's you know, rather interesting. Check it out. That's EmpireAtWar.net. There's a thing on the front page. If you want to go ahead and learn about it, you may. Right now, it is the only thing going that I have seen for Empire at War. At least it's something. It may not be the greatest, but it's something. Yes, I know. We're past our break time. All right, folks, it's at the bottom of the hour. We have to get a break in here, so I will be back in about uh, five minutes, and we'll take it up from there with uh, World of Warcraft, actually, is next. Hey there, loser. Why so sad? Let me guess. You've just been shot down again, and you still don't have a car. Well, there's an easy answer for you. Lower your standards and come on down to Fat Chicks and a Moped Incorporated. At FCM, we'll get you a woman to call your own and supply you with transportation for two. Sure, it's still humiliating, 
but it's not like you were going to do any better, so don't bitch. That's Fat Chicks and Moped Incorporated. Great things to ride until your friends see you. This advertisement brought to you by Britney Spears' Guide to Hoeing and Drinking. Pop diva Britney Spears wants to teach you how to party like a rock star. This step-by-step -step DVD tutorial will teach you how to drink and sleep your way through a weekend. She'll show you how to ruin your reputation overnight and how to date married men with kids. And if that wasn't enough, she'll even show you how to destroy your marriage in a matter of weeks. Sure, this may sound like a crappy life, but remember, everything looks better when you're wasted, and she's rich, so it must work. That's the Britney Spears Guide to Hoeing and Drinking. tired of people whining about their lot in life? Do they piss you off about how they're only concerned with themselves? Then you need the Learn To Playbook. With this book in hand, you're armed to combat the malcontents with quick-fire responses. So the next time that cripple complains about his bad luck, tell him to shut the hell up and learn to walk. If your minority employee claims racial discrimination, tell him to shut the hell up and learn to Caucasian. If your woman bitches about not wanting to put out Tell her to shut the hell up and learn to suck. Telling whiners to shut the hell up since 2005. That's the Learn to Play book. It's coming. Sunday at 7. With your host, Warky. Work Radio about anime. Join me as I take you through the world of anime with cool takes, parodies, and original tunes every Sunday at 7 p.m. Work Radio about anime. Don't miss it. Are you tired of men dressed in white sheets burning crosses in your front yard? Do people with shaved heads make you want to puke? Then you need a bottle of Whitey out. Simply spray down the offending supremacist and change him into the minority of your choice. Turn that honky into a homie for just $19.99. That's Whiteout, on sale at fine stores everywhere. You are fully functional, aren't you? Of course, but... How fully? In every way, of course. I am programmed in multiple techniques. A broad variety of pleasuring. Oh, you jewel. That's exactly what I hoped. Let me tell you about a man from the 24th century Put a lot of fools in a space penitentiary He's a futuristic sex android Too cool for school or bad androids He's the only one, he's that unique And he saved the ship every single week With 88 petabytes in his brain His freestyles flow with a fine champagne The
One day this fool said he wasn't a man So Tito went to court and they took the stand They said, fuck you, bitch, I'm a sentient ass All the ensigns that have sucked my glance And when his girl's quarters were like a pig's eye He clapped the hole straight in the eye And when the boy queen went and sat on his dick He played the goth bitch like a two-dollar trick The Positronic segment two here uh let's finish up discussion about the uh star wars empire at war some uh strategies a couple things a couple thoughts again for those of you who keep asking me whether or not it's a game that i would recommend buying uh, right now i would say no there's just too many problems with this game too many bugs too many issues that i would not recommend that you lay down the 50 bucks if you can find it cheaper you know maybe a buddy of yours bought it maybe the retarded kid down the streets parents got it for him for their birthday and they don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know how... It's Star Wars. I like it. I don't know how to use it. Maybe you can get it from them for free or at a discounted price. I would suggest doing so. Other than that, I would not pay the full price for it. No. At least wait for it to get patched. I don't know if it's going to be. They're not saying anything. Uh, you know, that they had a chat and talk with the with the developers about two weeks ago. In fact, I think I covered this in one of my last shows. And it was... They used a couple of my questions, but the answers they gave were very vague and very put off, and I I was not overly impressed with what they had to say. So, again, my recommendation is to hold off on buying this. If you have not already, do not do so yet. Okay, World of Warcraft. Blizzard has finally come out and said that they are getting ready to release new hardware. Um, eBay sellers uh, are selling EW for $20, says Endeavor. The problem with that is got to make sure that it says factory sealed. If it says used or opened, I would not recommend buying it because it is a registered account. Uh, so if you're buying something that's used and they have the game already registered under their name, you're screwed. I would not recommend buying it off eBay unless it says that it is brand new, factory sealed, good to go. Then I would go ahead and, and buy it for 20 bucks. 
you know, that is for what is offered, twenty bucks is well worth what the single player is worth. Yeah, the multiplayer ain't worth a damn right now, but the single player is worth about twenty bucks. So that'd be fair. I sure as I wouldn't pay the fifty bucks that I got sucked into paying for it. Motherfuckers. Anyways, back to it. World of Warcraft. Okay. Couple things. Actually, no, this is going to be a positive thing for the World of Warcraft, so we're not even going to use the one second uh, little intro that we have made for this. Apparently, that um, Elise Orden has gone ahead and discussed it on their community forums, that they had mentioned, made mention in January, which is true, they did. At the beginning of January, they had said that their back, in not so many words, we found out later exactly what was happening. Essentially, their backbone was collapsing. They had, did not have the infrastructure in place on the American side uh, to deal with the kind of, of the customer base that they had. Now, two things have happened. One, the customer base, at least North America, has begun to slip noticeably. So there is going to be less pressure on a lot of these servers. Now, people keep saying, oh, well, don't tell me that because I'm in a waiting list to get online. Well, no, you're not. Well, yes, you are. But the reason is because they've lowered the amount of people that can play on a server at one time significantly. That's why there's a waiting list and a queue list where there wasn't before. It's not because there's a shitload more people have bought the game and are trying to get on the same server you are. Because that isn't the case. In fact, if you look around, you can see there's not a whole lot of newbies running around the newbie zone that are new to the game and asking, where the hell do I find Ironforge? No, the reason why is because they, the servers they had and the network uh, that they had is beginning to collapse. Well, we had read a couple weeks ago, well, actually about a month ago, that they had bought 1,500 new servers. And again, that the discussion had begun whether or not these were for the new Burning Crusade expansion coming up later in the year, or if these were to try and bolster their, their ailing system. Now, it looks like it's probably a little bit of both. And Orton goes on to say that, uh, it says, quote, We've spent the past few weeks obtaining new top-of-the-line equipment and preparing it for deployment at a new World of Warcraft site. This new site, which we expect to go live at the beginning of April, will allow us to open new realms to accommodate our growing player base. In addition, we will be able to transfer existing realms to this new hardware to alleviate pressure on our current systems. So essentially what they're doing is they're building a second backbone. They're going to put a few servers over on this new on this new backbone going up, and then the rest of the space will, I'm sure, be opened up specifically for the Burning Crusade. So I think it's a little bit of both. And again, that's a bit of a implication there. I'm kind of reading between the lines, but that's what it comes out to me. So this is finally a step in the right direction. The only problem with Blizzard is it's taken them over a year and three months to get to this stage, to do what people have been telling them for so long. I mean, what the fuck took so long to pull the trigger to buy 1,500 new servers? It sure as hell wasn't a money issue. And don't tell me it's because I couldn't find a supplier. Oh, there's plenty of companies out there that have good, decent servers. You weren't ready to pull the trigger. You weren't willing to spend the money. That's what it comes down to. You figured the player base would shut the hell up, take the crap that you were dishing them out, and say thank you, and pay you the 15 bucks a month. It's only until Blizzard started losing a significant amount of, of consumers, of people canceling their accounts, that they started to take, uh, take actions in one of two areas that they are terrible on. This is the first one. It's a great step. It's a big one. And it's another step uh, following the small one they had of acknowledging the problem. So they're finally waking up to see that their current business model sucks donkey wiener. And they're starting to come around. They're making some progress. This is a step. We'll see now if this new these new servers make a difference on a lot of the problem servers that they've been having lately. We will see. Here's another little key little thing. Listen closely. Quote, To make things interesting, 
We will be holding three skill-based contests during this new uh, public beta test. I'm sorry, uh, public test on the new public test realm of the 1.10 content patch. Players with active accounts in Europe, Korea, and North America will be able to participate in these contests, and each winner will receive a spot in the beta test for the World of Warcraft Burning Crusade. So that is pretty much a good indicator that they've decided to go ahead and hold a public beta test. Well, not public, you'll probably have to sign up for it. But a beta testing of the Burning Crusade that will be that they will accept people from outside the company to go ahead and test. There you go. Yeah, Endeavor has good points. As in the business world, 1500 servers isn't that, you know, isn't a great deal. And it is. Okay, and now Tiroth's saying it'd be kind of hilarious if a tornado hit it and wiped them all out. Okay, other than the loss of life, I guess that would be kind of funny. Yeah, I know, a contest. Uh, I know, I know. Don't get me started, but it, it pretty much confirms what we had been uh, debating about and suspecting whether or not it, that was the case. So, apparently, it is. There you go. The second thing is that the 1.10 patch is going to ready to come out. Now, priests apparently get some love. They're going to rework the entire priest tree, all of the three talent trees, which is good. Shadow, not so much. Holy gets a lot of love, and by and large, the priests we've talked to are pretty happy with the changes as they're going to come out. I don't know that everybody else is going to like them, but we shall see. Here's what really interests me, and this is the quote-unquote casual content. This is what they're doing, and although I'm going to list this as a positive to me, it would not be a positive. What they're doing is that they're reworking Stratholm, Skolomance, Blackrock Spire, um, up, Upper and Lower Blackrock Spire, and Blackrock Depth. Depths. What they're going to do is they're putting a player cap now on Stratholm, Skullmance, and Blackrock Depths to five players only. No more 10-man raids. Blackrock Spire, Upper Blackrock Spire, will be a max of 10 players, not 15. And when I say reworking, no, they're not removing the trash mobs to make it easier. They're adding bosses in certain parts of the dungeon now that will drop specific loot, uh, four new blues and four new purples, or four new epics. Um, for the uh, set pieces now for the casual player, what they call the 0.5 tier set or the half tier set. All right, other than the fact that they're lowering the caps now and you're going to have to play three and four hours now with four pickup idiots unless you have a good, you know, a decent guild. Now, don't start with that Hippocratic bullshit now saying, oh, well, Hemp, all you said was you wanted this, uh, the chance to get epics just putting more time in. No, no, that's not what I meant. It's not what I said. What I said was, give us a chance to be able to get epics at our own pace. This is no different than running three or four hours in Molten Core. You're still going to have to spend two or three hours out in Stratholm or Skullamance or whatever with a group of five. It's going to take you that long. In fact, the third quest in the chain now to get your epics, apparently, is you have to you get to go in the second gate at Stratholm, which is the Undead Gate, and you have to beat the Baron in 45 minutes. You have to fight through the entire instance and kill Baron Rivendale within the first 45 minutes in order to get your item. Okay, they're talking about the skill, the race level 50 contest and the most level 25 characters contest. Uh, a quantity over, or quanti quality over quantity, quantity over quality. I, I guess, I don't know. Uh, so that is what they're going to do. Now, here's the other catch, and this is the other thing that really pisses me off. In order to get the new set 
that's the tier 0.5 set, you must already possess the pieces of your uh, zero set, your blue set, which means for me, as a mage, I must be able to have the magister set to turn it in. Which means in order to upgrade my boots, I already have to have the magister boots. They just don't drop for me. Okay? So for those of you hybrid bastards out there who are using, like, say, a devout belt and, uh, you know, help me out here. I just, my mind went blank as far as the warlock set goes. Oh, a dreadmist hat. Or, you know, what have you. You cannot upgrade those. They are very class specific now. So first, you have to run all these instances to find your tier five set or your uh, your blue set first. Then you have to run these same instances all over again to get your upgraded set, your four blues and four purples. And congratulations for all this time. You still will not be remotely close to being as powerful or strong as somebody who's run molten core just one time. There you go. So that is their answer to the casual question. I guess it's kind of half an answer. To me, it's not nearly enough, and not nearly enough for me to reactivate my account. Uh, here's something else for, you, for everybody involved. Quote, another change which will be particularly helpful for players, endgame, is one we've made which will convert quest experience at level 60 to a value in gold. When the patch goes live, players at level cap can turn in quests and receive gold based upon a ratio of the experience that would have been gained if it were possible that they could have leveled further. So basically, when you turn in a quest, instead of getting like 10,000 experience, you'll get like a gold or two. It's something, all right? It's better than just sitting around doing nothing and having the quest that you don't get anything for. So if you're level 60 and it said also it'll carry over for the expansion when players reach level 70, which will probably be the same way the game is out. But what it means is now that we can start getting some gold rather than just screwing around and... You know, doing quests for the sake of doing quests. You're actually getting something for it now. Not bad. Not bad. So, that is a plus. So, one definite positive, one kind of positive uh, in the favor of uh, World of Warcraft and Blizzard so far this week. Now, the patch hasn't gone in yet. Um, they have it on the public test realm. The problem is there's a six to 8,000 person waiting line to get in on every single, either single one of them, so... And actually, they're reporting now that uh, every single U.S. server has a queue list right now. That's interesting. This guy's complaining, saying that the low population servers are that are listed as low currently, right now, uh, they're not low. There's a queue list uh, in a waiting line. So, I don't know, folks. Your guess is as good as mine. I will say this, and this is something I also meant to, to make mention of. There seems to be oh, a, a competition between some of the guilds in World of Warcraft to see who can screw over the server the most. Remember we reported two weeks ago that the Imperial Order, which is an alliance guild, on uh, I forget what, what server it was. I think it was Death of Rock. Anyways, they had uh, finished all the Anchorage, the AQ, uh, opening the gate opening quests. And they were going to open up the gates so that, you know, Anchorage would be open to everybody on the server. Then they posted on the realms, on the uh, AQ, or, I'm sorry, on their server realm forum, and said, if you want us to open up the gates to Anchorage, you have to pay us 5,000 gold. As of right now, we're holding our server hostage for five grand. 
you can send all your donations to this particular character that they created to accept all the ransom donations and that they would not open the gates to Anchorage until the server had paid them 5,000 gold. I applaud this. Now, there are those of you obviously out there who will complain saying, well, that's not right. That's terrible. Why? What's wrong with it? You don't like it? Well, then you get your you know guild off your ass and go do it. I told you people at the beginning, before the Anchorage thing even started, if you were going to help by, by committing your resource to helping to open the gates, to, to send it to the army so they could open the gates, you're a fool. And you want a more proof of it? Well, here you go. This is it. Anyways, this went on for about three or four days before, allegedly, they came out and said, well, we were just kidding. It was just a joke. We'll go ahead and open the gates at a later time. We'll tell you when. So whether or not they just got tired of being you know, bombarded by people on server or... And they got a lot of support. A lot of support from different guilds from the other servers. They thought it was hysterical. It was a great role-playing thing. I mean, it was a friggin' riot. But I think more along the lines of Blizzard had a GM contact and said, stop fucking around. You're creating... Because it spilled over onto the general forums. You know, stop creating waves, open the gates, and be done with it. So that took place. And then, of course, we heard in the last show, we got that nice 45-minute rendition of what an Uber Guild sounds like when they totally melt down over Loot and Blackwing Lair. So we got to hear that, and that was hysterical. Well, now there's a latest installment. An Alliance Guild called the Inquisition, again on a server whose name I cannot remember, earlier this week went on their Realm forums, having gotten the Scepter to open up the gates of Anchorage, and said... Server, everybody meets at this particular in Sithlis, both sides, Horde and, and uh, Alliance, on such and such a day at such and such a time, and we will begin the uh, the uh, we'll open the gates and begin begin the event for everybody to see, so that you know we can share the experience with everybody on the server. I you know I applaud them for their their nicety and and willingness to do this. And they get everybody together, and everybody from all over the server shows up on the appointed day at the appointed time. And sure enough, there's this guild right there at the gates of Anchorage with the scepter to open it up. When they say in general chat, ha ha, fuck you, just kidding. Open up a gate, and everybody went back to Stormwind. Their entire guild went back to Stormwind, everybody logged off. And left the entire server sitting there in Sithlis fighting against lag, which crashed the server several times before the next day. Brilliant. Brilliant. They then went on two days later at like three in the morning and opened up the gates for themselves. So that nobody else, and nobody else knew about it. They get the entire server to turn out to watch this thing. And then they just open up a, a gate, walk back to Stormwind. Everybody logged off and said, haha, just kidding. And of course, crashed the server twice because there were so many people in Sithlis, it couldn't handle the load. And then open it up at 3 in the morning when, you know, nobody could see it. It just seems like as this goes on, more and more, there's oh, there's another guild trying to one-up and outscrew their server over the, the guild from before. It just gets progressively worse. <laughs> I'd hoped to interview one of the people from the Imperial Order. Unfortunately, they never got back to me. They said they were willing to do it, and then, you know, we were supposed to set up a time for the interview. 
uh, I think the guy's name was Unsurreal or something, that it actually masterminded the whole uh, ransom idea, but never got back to me, never heard from him again, so... And it's kind of an old story. Now, I just thought it was funny. I know most of you already heard that. I thought it was still hysterical. I thought it was genius. I thought it was brilliant. One last thing before we go into the break. I don't know if anybody follows Penny Arcade. I'm guessing, well, most all of us do. But uh, on Wednesday, I don't remember if you'd know, but uh, uh, Gabriel had been going uh, apeshit over, in fact, it's even in their comics, about uh, Jim Lee going to work for um, uh, Sony Entertainment. Online entertainment, and I guess they're gonna—they're going to make a new um, MMO. And in the comic they're going on in Taiko Ask Gabe, and Gabe says, you know, and they're saying, well, you know, when I hear he's teaming up with Sony Entertainment, it makes me worried. And you know, counterpart says, well, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And and the quote that that'll she'll be with me the rest of my life said, what if Krispy Kreme teamed up with someone's asshole to put shit in donuts? Would you be cautiously optimistic then? It's funny, and it's true if you think about it. It's hysterical. Well, apparently the uh, president of Sony Online Entertainment thought that was funny, or you know, whoever the hell he is, and decided to then send uh, Penny Arcade's office 1,200 donuts. 100 dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme. And they have like pictures up there from somebody who got a digital camera of them unloading it into the office. I thought it was pretty. I, I thought it was a, a very funny, very clever, very uh, uh, high-raw response to criticism that is is you know rightfully deserved. I, SOE has really you know pissed on gamers in you know smedley, in my opinion. So it, it's not you know it's not overreacting. I thought it was I thought it was a very clever response. Of course, you know not to be outdone. The Penny Arcade says, oh well. 1,200 donuts, that's one for each subscriber to an SOE game. And, of course, the other one I liked was, uh, it's the best product that Sony's ever put out. So, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, there we go. Tear off is a dollar short and a day late. Anyway, so we're headed into the break here, and we got the last half of the show coming around. Remember the contest song coming up at the end of the show to tell you who's won the uh, next, I'm sorry, I will tell you who won the second beta key for the March 24th Guild Wars PvP beta, and I will play the contest song for the third and final beta key winner for next week. That being said, let's get to the break, and I will be back with you here in a few minutes. Hey there, studly men. The paladins of Azeroth want to chat it up with you right now. Hear us issue our sails of command and lay the hammer of justice to each other. Oh, I'm so excited. My nipples are hard. So call 1-900-FAIRY-POLLY to talk with us, the girly man of Azeroth. I think I just popped my shield. Ege Auctions is proud to announce the sale of one of the most coveted items in online gaming, Blizzard Entertainment's credibility. While it's true that Blizzard's credibility has devalued some over the past year, it is still a hot commodity and is now more affordable than ever. Come to ege.com and put a bid in on Blizzard's credibility. 
Starting bid is only a penny with a buy it out option for $10. This item is sure to sell eventually, so bid high and bid often at eGay.com. We're ready, Master. I'm not ready. Hey guys, join me at take for State of Warcraft on Wednesdays, where I'll be covering the latest Throws and Throne news and events, as well as the top tournaments that are going on and anything else to do with the Warcraft 3 scene in general. So please join me on Wednesdays as I'll be covering... Hey folks, this is Emperor here for Chinese Gold Farmers of Azeroth. Chinese Gold Farmers would like you to waste your hard-earned money on valueless online currency. Buy your level 40 mount, or the best armor and weapons to fight the opposing faction for as little as $300 American. Sure, it's illegal, but that never stopped us before. That's Chinese Gold Farmers of Azeroth, putting the chink in your enemy's armor. segment of the night. Uh, just, you know, just a bit of a clarification. People saying they like that song. Folks, I know you liked a lot of the songs, but uh, that last one was not actually uh, part of the uh, Futuristic Sex Robots. It's actually done by a rapper. Uh, his name is Goose, and he is a Counter-Strike player. Uh, Synvict and I have played on their server a bunch of times, and 
the both of us bought his online album. It's a bunch of rap songs on there. He's, he's a rapper. Uh, so that is, just so that you don't get confused, that uh, the uh, CT Pussy song is not part of the Futuristic Sex Robots. But Positrona Pimp and Welcome to the Internet, the first two songs we heard were. I just thought it was kind of cool. I liked the song. Give him a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a plug there, I suppose. People keep asking me. They can't get to the website. It, look, you're spelling it wrong. It's futuristic sex robots with a Z, not an S. Robots.com. So there you go. What? What do you mean? All right. Uh, we have breaking news. Um, uh, this is coming in off the wire now. Can you hand it to me here? Let me get it. Alright, this coming in from the Imperial News Agency. Uh, breaking news now. We go live to me. Uh, apparently, uh, this just in. Nobody's watching the Oscars. Okay, alright, back to the show. Well, that doesn't seem so very surprising to me since nobody went to see the movies either. <laughs> so. <laughs> Who? Mystic Mim? What? Tiroth, you are a mighty dog. What? I don't know. I don't know. All right, folks. Second, one last thing. One last thing I want to talk about for the end of the show. This is we'll be carrying this over to the next uh, next episode next Sunday, uh, along with the Battlefield Middle Earth 2 demo that I'm being forced upon to play and uh, give you the rundown. What's going on, Nebuchadnezzar? You're late. You bastard. Anyways, what game got you into gaming? What started you on your path to, ner- to nerdum all those years ago? What was the first game that you played that got you hooked on video games and said, all right, this is it, I'm going to play this, and then you started buying game after game after game. And I'm not talking arcade games, because those don't count. I'm talking console game or computer game or whatever. What was the first game that got you going? There's a couple that stick out in my mind. The very first game I remember playing was on the Atari console system way back in the day. And I remember playing, like, River Raid and Missile Command, uh, Atlantis, Berserk, and just got owned.com. What? I'm not even going to bother checking these out because you know, they're probably just garbage stuff, but. You got owned, no, 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 you got Very funny. Owned, no, no, no. Yeah, I've seen all that. Thank you. Rip it. I, very funny. Sim Tower. <laughs> but that's when I first started playing it and I played Zaxxon and War Room and Smurfs for uh, the ColecoVision but and I'm, I still remember the playing those I was like f- 6 or 7 years old playing those well, that was a freaking long time ago almost 20 years but I remember the, the, the games that really got me into playing on a regular basis was for the Atari computer there are games my father had played, and he he taught me how to play, because I used to watch him play his games, and a lot of them were just, like, numbers games with a couple pictures. They didn't even have a whole lot going on. I think it was, like, 8 or 9 when I started playing these. Um, Ultima 4, I played for the Atari computer. Loved that game. That game was the shit, man. I played that thing, and I, I still, I have never beat it to this day. I don't even know how to beat it. I had done everything and been everywhere, uh, my dad talked to a buddy of his, one of his his uh, 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 old war buddies he had, and he got 
like a cheat sheet for them, and I followed those, and, and I got all the stones, and uh, you know, I got the balloon, I got the warships, and I mean, that was fun. I used to play uh, Colonial Conquest, which was an old World War One uh, war game. I used to play that too. That was fantastic. And uh, Imperium Galactum, which was uh, like a version of that except in space. I mean, this was all stuff that was, you know, these were actual war games, you know, with uh, stat stat tables and, and what have you, well above what I should have been playing, but I understood it, and I, you know, played it and had a lot of fun with it. It was great. And that's what really got me going. And then Nintendo came out, and I got Final Fantasy, uh, the original Final Fantasy. I liked uh, Genghis Khan. I remember playing Nobunaga's Ambition, the original Romance of Three Kingdoms, all these games I still own. I have a, I think the the only person I know personally who's got a better collection than I do is uh, Fear of uh, 1G. Fear of Imperial Guard's got, it has some more games than I do. I have a few that he doesn't have, <laughs> but I even have an original TurboGrafx-16, one of the original ones that that were melting in the slag because they were uh, built wrong. I have one of those. It's not broken, but I'm afraid to play it. Uh, Might Magic, there's one. Uh, uh, was like a, games like Masters of Ryan, Armada 2525, Crusade. Uh, that, what is that What's that uh, one Russian game? Where you're like two commandos and you got like knives and you have to... Like Russian commando, Russian assault or something like that and you have to like stab the guys and then you can pick up like a flamethrower or a, like a bazooka and you shoot like the one missile and it just keeps shooting people behind it. So it's dum 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 dum. What the hell was it? I know somebody out there has played this game. Neva, you're old. You're as old as I am. What am I thinking of? It was Russian something or other. Rampage. I played that one. Contra. Why the hell did it? Emperor. E-M-P-O-R-E-R. Sure isn't scared to show my age. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, scared to show my age. And apparently, Rusty, you're not afraid to show your illiteracy. Yes, I played Rampart, but I also played Rampage. That's the one where the monsters wreck the different cities around the world. Rampart's the one with the, uh, uh, it's the castle game with the, uh, uh, cannons. I played both of those. Those were fun. That's what kind of started me. What else, what other big Nintendo titles that I like, that I used to play? Um, shit. Rush att- Russian Attack, is that it? Yeah, Russian Russian attack. That's what it was. Yeah, thank you. Kung Fu. That was good. Uh, Double Dragon. Can't forget that. That's a friggin' classic. Yeah, Rampage was fun. Double Dragon. There was um, Batman, the original Batman. Played Panzer General for the PlayStation when it first came out, but I had it for the computer prior to that. The General series wasn't too bad. I like Star General. That was based on a series of books that I've been reading by David Drake. That was fun. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Baron owned that one. We played that one into the ground. I forget how many times we played that one. What was the one with the frogs? I know what you're talking about. The Battletoads. That's what it was. Battletoads. I never played that one, but... Zelda. Super Mario 3. Super Mario 2, and especially Super Mario 3. I think I spent the most time I ever played uh, on one particular game as a console set was Super Mario 3. And for a guy who played three sports when I was a kid, you know, that was a lot. I had a lot going on. I still played that game. I used to rent that game every weekend. My friends would come over and we'd play that son of a bitch because we didn't know anything about uh, 
we didn't know about the the flutes and the whistles at the, at the end to warp between levels. We would start at level one. We'd play. We'd have like a sleepover, and we would play all night long. We we'd play in shifts, like three of us. Actually, I think we did it four times. Uh, with four of us one time, and got through it. Uh, to this day, I think me and my friend Tony hold the record for um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the Super Nintendo. The hell is it called? I forget what it's called. We we beat the entire game in just under 20 minutes, because it tells you at the end how long, how fast you play the game, and we sent it in a Nintendo Power, and they actually published it once. The problem is they didn't put our names. It just said two kids from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever the hell it was, in 20 minutes. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. I own the game, and I will admit to having played it one time, once. That was it. Just once. Never again. <laughs> Metroid, Kid Icarus. I played Kid Icarus. That was great. Baseball Simulator 2000. What was the one? Tecmo Bowl Football. The original Tecmo Bowl Football. Everybody played Turtles in Time. That's what it was. Yeah. Thank you. They got that in the IRC channel. The original Tecmo Bowl football. You, everybody played the Raiders, and everybody gave it to Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen, and you ran all over your your uh, the buddy you were playing. There was another cool baseball game I played for the NES. The it was I forget what it was called, like All Star Baseball or something. And the referees were bunny rabbits. It was a it was a great game. It was really fun. Uh, Nintendo Ice Hockey with the fat guys, the thin guys, and the medium guys. That was fun. Blades of Steel. And remember, because they got the old, like, uh, uh, voice intro, like, Blades of Steel. You could barely understand it. But it's like, oh my god, it, it talks! It's got voice! Yeah! Blades of Steel. It was not Eric Dickerson, it was Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson. Philistine. No, Rusty, nobody played Rock and Roll Racing for SNES. Yes, Fiend's got Turtles in Time as well. I'm glad everybody seems to know this stupid Nintendo game, the Turtle game, but me. I said me personally. Valkyrie Profile. Never played it. I have the soundtrack to it. Never played it. There's another game that I remember, and I am actually looking to write a book about this. That's how much this game really clicked with me. I played it in high school. I think it was a freshman. It was called War Song, and it was originally it was uh, it was the first game. Actually, as I find out later, it was not the first game in the series, but it was a strategy RPG. It was a turn-based game, and it had been ported over and brought for the Sega Genesis for the uh, for the American side. And it was actually called Langrisir in Japanese. And there was five games in the Langrisir series: one, two, three, four, and five. And then on the original NES system or the original um, Sega Master System, there was uh, three games called Guy Frame, Elfliad, and Crest of Gaia that were prequels to this series. I did not know this until recently. But it was a turn-based game, and I recently got the ROM for it on the computer side. I also got it for the Sega Genesis. And, oh, was I... That game was just great. It's kind of fantasy-based. It's got... Uh, you've got up to eight commanders that you can use on the field, and it puts you through 20 scenarios. And it has a storyline that you follow, and it's 
the evil is trapped in this magic sword. The magic sword is stolen, so the evil is released. You've got to rally the troops of your kingdom along with uh, some allies, uh, some allied kingdoms, take down the evil empire, then reseal the evil in the sword. And you've got cavalry and archers, and this is the original paper, rock, scissors uh, setup that RTS is used today. And, you know, archery beats flying, uh, flying units, and archery beats cavalry, cavalry beats infantry, infantry beats archery. And there's like 40 different kinds of units of different commanders to have in the game. And as you get, as you kill stuff and you, as you uh, get um, uh, more experience, you get like level 10 that you can upgrade to a different class of character. And all of a sudden you get new abilities and new spells and different troops that you can command. And I'm actually replaying the game and I'm writing down a lot of the notes, say the original Japanese version, because now it's been translated into English. And Langrisir 2 was translated into English too. The problem was the rest of the series was not, which kind of disappointed me because the game company that owned it went under. Or at least they sold off their gaming division. It was uh, Nihon, Nihon Computer uh, Incorporated. Or Limited, something like that. And there's a cool website out there. If you're interested in getting the ROMs and playing the game series, uh, it's uh, I think it's like coes.lakuna.org. Just do, um, just do a web search, a Google search for The Clouds of Elsalia. E-L space S-A-L-L-I-A. You do that, and it'll show you probably the most comprehensive English collection of this series that there is. And I'm actually seriously going to be working on a book for this. Probably going to be an online book for your downloading and reading pleasure, but it will be there. Thank you, Centino. I will check that out uh, when I get a chance. There's another one. The very, very first RTS I've ever played, and as far as I know, the, one, the first one ever made, was it was called Airzog... I think it was Airzog's Way. It was for the Sega Genesis. It was the H-C-E-R-O-G space Z-W-E-I. And it was red team and blue team. And what you did was you had this little fighter jet that you could use as an air transport. You'd pick up a unit from your base, and then you'd drop it off on the map, and it would go around and it would fight for you. Or you could turn it into a robot, and it would have a, like a laser gun. You could shoot the uh, enemy's units, or you can make it a fighter plane and shoot down the enemy's fighter plane. And you had to capture uh, like little bases, little mini bases, which you could pick up your troops for, and which would give you more points to build, you know, more troops. And you could build like tanks and motorcycle troops and normal infantry, an APC. It had like a light tank you could make, like a kind of like a Bradley fighting vehicle. It had uh, artillery, heavy tanks, gun platforms. It was called Airzog's Way, and it was a riot. I still got to get that game for the uh, uh, for the Sega Genesis. Love that game. Never played North versus South. I, I my buddy had it. I didn't play it. Starflight for the Sega Genesis was another one, and that was like a space exploration game. That was fun. Uh, that Uncharted Waters. I don't know why. I just kind of always liked those exploration games, but at least in. Uh, it was like real time though for a uh, Starflight. If anybody can find and pick it up, it's great. The instruction manual is almost 200 pages. I mean, granted, the first 20 pages are story, but I mean, a 180-page instruction manual for a Sega Genesis game—that's pretty significant. Yes, I'm aware of the new Darkfall video. I have not seen it. I have not had a chance, but uh, I'm aware that it is out there. Yeah, there's two games that my my buddies and I used to play a lot because um, in Cleveland when you're a kid in the winter 
you know, if there's not decent enough packing snow outside or it's, you know, 10 degrees below zero like it is a great many times, you don't go out and do much except, you know, stay inside and play games or do homework or, you know, what have you. We used to play basketball when the, the high school gym was open, but or the uh, middle school gym was open. But we used to play, um, in high school, we used to play uh, Mario Kart Racing, the first Mario Kart Racing. We had money tournaments on that bastard. Especially after uh, we'd play, um, I remember the one time we had was a game we had in Brook Park. We were playing uh, uh, baseball, and it was a home game because I played for Brook Park at the time. It's a city near her. And we were playing against uh, Berea, and we beat them. And we decided we were going to go back to, actually it was my house at the time, and have a party. It was like eight or nine of us that went back there. And we decided that we were going to have a Mario Kart racing tournament. Why, I couldn't tell you. We just did. Apparently nobody's listening to me on the radio because I said, yes, I have seen the video. Anyways, we had about a hundred and some dollars in a like a pool for this stupid one-on-one uh, -on -one Mario Kart racing game. And we went head to head, not racing, but uh, uh, the battle, the battle mode. I am proud to say that I came away in second place and got nothing for it. But my buddy Robbie did win the uh, prize and got a hundred. I think it was a hundred and some dollars. It was funny. We weren't drunk, but it, it, it was, you know, we were sober. It was fun. The other game we used to play a shitload of uh, was um, Star Control for the Sega Genesis. And we used to make a rule that if anybody took the Urquan Dreadnought, which is this giant green... It was a spaceship game. It was like real-time spaceship. You could pick one from the, uh, uh, like the Urquan Hierarchy or one for the uh, Alliance Hegemony. And you could, you know, pick... Each one had different abilities. and had a special ability and a special attack. And there's this one that uh, was called the... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, like the Coward. The C-O-W-A-R-D. And it was this race of, of aliens that didn't like to fight people. So it had, like, the weakest attack, but it was the fastest ship. And it had uh, this... It had a missile that fires backwards called the B-U-T-T -T missile. The butt missile. I forget what it was... What it acronym meant... But it made this like this sound every time it fired. We would we were like ten. We would laugh our ass off for like ten minutes, just flying around the screen going, not shooting anything in particular, just making that stupid sound with a stupid little. Oh, it was a spathy. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it was a spathy fighter. But we had the rule that if anybody ever took like the big freaking dreadnought, which was this this giant green and had awesome sound effects too. But it, its special ability is it could launch these little tiny fighters. And you had crew complements. So when your crew died, your ship destroyed. So what we do is, whoever got the Urquan Dreadnought, we'd fly around. And we, it was kind of cool because you got this... this. Thank you, Schizophrenic. He had this, like, this Krang-type alien. And every time you'd launch a fighter, we were like, Launch fighters! Launch fighters! And then you'd see these fighters come flying out the back of it, and they'd, they'd chase you anywhere you went... And they started zapping with little lasers. And it, I mean, it was like instant death. And we'd always say, no, 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 no. Nobody can use the Dreadnought. Nobody can launch fighters. Nope, everybody did. No one ever listened to it. It's one of those rules that people say and it never worked. Percentage based on 1,000 titles? He owns 14,000 Nintendo games. Okay, that's a serious illness that needs to be addressed by professional medical people. Mm -mm. Somebody buy Emperor's Court commercial time on Fox. Uh, 
Why not? They sell commercial time to everybody else. Seriously, nobody's watching. I'll tell you why I'm not watching the Oscars. I saw the first 10 minutes of the Oscars. Here's what I saw. George Clooney making a political reference as soon as he stepped up. He was the first guy out of the box to get that stupid Oscar award for whatever the hell movie he was in. Oh, that's right. The oil uh, movie about how Americans go there for oil. Go to the Saudi Arabia for oil. Yeah. I can't imagine why he got an Academy Award for that. So he got to make a political statement. And then the second thing was they gave the best animated movie title to the Were-Rabbit movie over uh, Mitsukaya's um, uh, newest anime that came out. He's one that did, like, Metropolis and Akira and a couple other ones that I'm sure you you know. The Were-Rabbit? What? That's why I'm not watching the Oscars. That's why nobody's watching the Oscars. Skate or die. And skate or die too. That's, those games ruled. Yeah, it was like a Super Mario World was the last Super Mario that I played and really got into. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? So basically we're just swapping the stories of old games we used to play here. I don't know that this segment ever really had any kind of structure to it, but there you have it. What other one? What other one? Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage 2. All right, let's see a show of hands at home. Remember, if you raise your hand, you're gay. Who had the Michael Jackson Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis? Come on. Who wasn't doing breakdancing and doing the moonwalk, knocking people over? I can probably say that I never owned it. I did, however, play it in the arcade, but I never owned it. Shut up, skits. Drunken bastard. I played Secret of Mana. A lot of people never played that one. They're like, what? What's that? Oh, the Secret of Evermore? Yeah, that one. One of the lesser-known titles that uh, they put out back when they were square. Dragon Warrior. I won Dragon Warrior from a Pepsi contest. When Dragon Warrior first came out, they Pepsi was running this stupid thing where if you looked underneath the cap of a, of a Pepsi 2-liter... You could win, you know, either a Nintendo system or a Dragon Warrior video game. And I'll be damned, I won, because we weren't allowed to have pop when I was a kid. It was very rare that we were allowed to have pop, which is probably a good thing in retrospect. But I won Dragon Warrior from Pepsi, and I'll be damned, they sent it to me. And I played that game, and I beat that game, and I loved every minute of it because it was free. And I won it. And that was kind of cool, too. <laughs> I know we're running out of time. All right, folks, we got to get to it. All right, real quick. Uh, let no oh, figures. Okay, now the numbers start to go up. Hang on, I got to get the winner of the uh, last week's contest for the Guild Wars PvP beta. Oh, where the hell is it? All right. Yes, last week's winner. Actually, two weeks ago, since I wasn't here last week. Uh, last week was Final Fantasy Tactics. That was the intro song to FFT for the. Uh, um, PlayStation, Final Fantasy Tactics. I had several winners, not as many as I had the week before. Um, but it was uh, Ryan L. won the contest. Uh, and I've got your email, thepeonwhocould at hotmail.com. So I've got your email, buddy. You won the contest, uh, so you get the beta key. I will pass it on to Jahala next I see him. So that will be up for you uh, to uh, check it out. The Guild Wars March 24th PvP beta is now key is now yours. 
So, congratulations. I will get that uh, to you as soon as I can. Actually, I'll give it to Jahala, who will then send it to you. I would hope. Okay, so that is done. All right, now for this week's winner. Well, that's to be determined. Here's the song, all right, ladies and gentlemen. And again, this isn't hard. I want this made easy so that you can get it because I want to give out this stupid key. These aren't hard questions. So the rest of you are saying, well, you're not asking very hard questions. Well, when I asked the $10 questions back in the day when the show was on a different network, none of you bastards could get it. So bitch. It's either too hard or too easy. Wah, 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 wah. All right, here is the contest song for the third Guild Wars beta key. Listen closely. So that is the contest song, contest song for this week. Uh, you need to send me an email to emperor1g at cox, that's C-O-X, dot net. Send me the name of the game to the song, and uh, I will pick one winner from all the people who get it, supposing there is more than one uh, randomly selected, and that person will win the third beta key, the third and final beta key, for the March 24th Guild Wars beta. I believe that's the PvP beta. Yes, 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 yes. So there you have it. Hmm. Alrighty, we're at the end of the show, thank God. This one just seemed kind of... kind of long, didn't it? Yeah, she's not off the side. Yeah, I, I thought it seemed kind of long. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pay the bills when we get out of here. Alright, real quick, I want to thank my in-game producer, Mystic Men, for making everything uh, possible. As usual, mixing some of the music, writing the commercials. Always a good thing. I want to thank uh, Robo Studios uh, and uh, the Futuristic Sex Robots, R-O-B-O-T-Z. If you like the music you heard tonight, definitely check it out at futuristicsexrobots.com. Download their latest album. You'll be hearing their music uh, sporadically throughout the next couple weeks here on the Emperor's Court. I also want to thank our sponsors, HerbBlueGroup.com and TheRadioLinkNet.com. TheRadioLinkNet's, I may actually have a preview for you later in the week, so check the site. Also check out us at OneJuraBorn.com, the home of the guard, and uh, as well as the the home of the shows, at least for the moment. If you're interested in getting a radio show, send me a 30-minute demo, what you can do, what you want to showcase, to Emperor1G at Cox.net. Remember, also the contest song, this Saturday, must hear from you by noon. Check me out next Sunday as we talk about the Battlefield Middle Earth Hang on, stop the music. Stop. Okay, hang on. Actually, just pause it. You can't pause it? Okay, we're going to put it right there and pause it. Okay, we got eight seconds left. All right. Next week, we'll be discussing the Battle for Middle-Earth 2 demo, 
as well continue on our classic console uh, rap that we've been doing tonight, which is pretty much just swapping stories. And of course, whatever comes out, okay, go ahead and play the music. And of course, whatever comes out between now and then. This is Amber saying, bad manners are no better than no manners at all. Uh, hang on, fix the damn music. Okay, there we go. Two seconds. Okay, we gotta end this properly. I'm a perfectionist. Bad manners are better than no manners at all. So long, everybody.